Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sober, Sober Grind podcast, episode number 17. Look at us, we're in space. It's we like we're about to take space. off at a light speed. <laughs> As always, my name is Austin. I'm joined by my good friends. Hi, Austin. I'm Pej. It's a pleasure to meet you, Pej. Meet me. We've known each other for a minute. We are joined Great by a you. very special guest today. Andy! Hey Andy. Guys. This is my first of many live podcasts, so I'm super excited. Yes, Andy's with awesome. us Awesome, we're happy to have her here. <laughs> Andy, tell, uh, tell the audience, aka Pej's friends, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> okay. Who? Well, um, I have four years sober. My name's Andy, and I've been working for South Coast for two and a half years, and I recently... Now, just Monday, I started doing outreach for beginnings, so I'm super excited about that. But I've been with South Coast for over four years. I went through the program for a year, and then I've, I've been working there for two and a half years. And so I'm super, super affiliated with them, and I love our program. And so, yeah, that's a little about me. That's awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for doing this. Can you tell me what your name is and how long have you been sober now? Uh, my name is Andrea Weens, and I have been sober for four years, so my sobriety date is January 12th, 2014. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So at, at what point did you realize that you really needed to make a change in your life and, and go into a program or get sober? Well, when I first started using heroin, um, it was like a whole new world opened up to me and part of me when I first started injecting it thought it was cool for some reason and so there was this allure to using it and so yeah it didn't really change for me just the the desire to use it was so overpowering and it was so new and it made me feel so good that it was just like I, a, a spell was cast over me almost and I didn't really break out of that until my parents forced me to go to rehab because I was in the, I got put in the hospital because they're like, you're going to die. And I was like, no, I'm not this, that. And you know, they had never seen anyone that messed up on heroin before. I mean, cause when you're on it, you kind of look like you're about to die. So they were worried. And, uh, you know, as much as I didn't want to do treatment and even though that wasn't my, my last I had still relapsed even after I got out of treatment that time. I feel like that gave me enough time away from the drug to really uh, break that spell and give me, you know, a little bit of recovery was, was placed upon me while in treatment and it kind of set the ball rolling and set things in motion for me to begin seeing that there was a different way of life. So even though that wasn't the end all be all when I went to treatment that first time, it was a step in the journey to see, oh wow, you know, people do enjoy being sober and there is another way of life. And uh, maybe somewhere down the line, you know, I could get sober, but at that point I still wasn't, wasn't ready yet. So, but eventually when I did become more willing it was because I was from Texas but out in California and I pretty much didn't feel like I had any purpose and I didn't really have any family out here and I was on the brink of becoming homeless and I had gotten kicked out of you know sober livings and I was in hotel rooms and my circumstances were essentially miserable you know the heroin wasn't really that good in California it just didn't 
I mean, all these things were lining up. I was having to hang out with weird people to get it, and my circumstances were backing me into a corner to where I just felt more and more trapped, and, and I had less and less options, and I didn't want to go back to Texas, and I kept seeing people succeeding in life out in California, and I'm, you know, it was going to kill me to think I, I, was, I had failed at that, and then I was going to have to go back to Texas, and I really didn't want to do that, but I didn't know what to do because, like I said, I had no purpose. I didn't know what my next move to make was, and looking back on that, that was really, really God, my higher power, push, you know, causing my circumstances to just suck, essentially, so that I would be forced to consider and to yeah, consider a new way of life. And then that's when I kind of looked at myself and, and said, well, this is where I'm at, but I'm still, I'm still unable to, to surrender to this thing or to say yes to recovery 100%. And so that's when I, uh, I had almost forgotten that God existed at that point in everything. But then once I was so desperate, I, I asked him for help. I asked him to help me surrender, and I couldn't do that by myself. I needed his help with that too. So I started where I was at, unwillingness and all, and I just asked for that help, and then that set in motion a series of events which uh, led me to where I am today. You know, I was given the strength to kind of choose a new way of life, so. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. So what advice would you give to someone that maybe is going through a similar experience or maybe we can even rephrase this a little bit if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice in the moment what would you tell yourself or what would you tell someone that's going through something similar to you well you know the first thing I thought about is if you are a parent struggling with your child you know for me my my parents getting me into treatment, whether I was kicking and screaming or not, really helped set that ball in motion, like I said. And so I think getting your loved one into treatment, regardless if they want to go or not, is a great way to kind of get them separated and removed from the drug. Uh, and so whether that looks like an intervention or what, I think that that can just be a great tool uh, to use to kind of get the person, you know, in their right state of mind because the person that you're dealing with isn't really, it's the drugs, it's not the, the real person. The real person wants to be sober somewhere deep down inside, but the drugs just have such a hold on them. At least that was my case. And so, I mean, ultimately every case is different, but uh, I think that sometimes we have to go through what we have to go through and it's scary because I, mm. I don't have control over that. Um, but I would just say, you know, like I said, everything goes back to having that faith or just at least maybe praying and just asking God to keep you alive or to keep, to help you change or to do whatever and just to kind of ask for that power greater than yourself or to, uh, just maybe stay in contact with people who care about you. I mean, ultimately, that's the advice I would give. No, it's great. You're an inspiration. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah.
today we have an awesome and interesting topic about the vicious cycle of addictions. Mm. How some people just can't get out of that cycle and how some people are able to break free. So, Pez, do you want to kind of jump in there and explain what exactly that vicious cycle is? Okay. But before you answer, leave your questions, leave your comments, leave your thoughts, leave where you're watching from, because this is an engaging experience on social media. That's right. If you are tuned in, feel free to ask any questions. Go ahead. Uh, as we're going through the show, we'll talk about some things. The vicious cycles, obviously, is the topic today. But um, ask us questions. We will do our best to answer them. And also, I'll tell you about some other things later on. But first of all, the vicious cycle. So you asked yes. that question. Yeah, what does the vicious cycle mean? So, I mean, the vicious cycle, when it comes to addiction and alcoholism, obviously, it means that we, you know that saying, supposedly, Einstein said, um, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right? Oh, in, insanity is doing the same insanity thing over and over Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, different expecting different results, right? Not, mm -hmm. We don't really know if, if Einstein really says that. A lot of people quote Einstein and half of them aren't really him. Well, someone but, said it. Yeah. But regardless, there's also another saying that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and knowing exactly what the results are going to be, but still doing them, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it's unfortunate that a lot of people that come into recovery, I see this very often, um, they'll come in, they'll get their feet wet. Some of them become part of the recovery world, whether they're in treatment, they go to meetings, they're getting, you know, linked up with certain people and doing the deal. And then over a period of time, what happens is uh, life gets really good. Mm -hmm. um, they may forget what it was like or they may miss that lifestyle or some traumatic event could happen for them to where they don't know how to deal with it without numbing out. So they will go back out. And um, it's unfortunate, but it happens. It's the nature of the beast. Mm. Um, so by doing that, if they go in and out and in and out, it becomes a vicious cycle. And that doesn't just pertain to addiction. I mean, I had friends that the one, the guys I hung out with, there was they, their vicious cycle, besides the fact that we did a lot of methamphetamines and used and did drugs a lot, and yeah. they were in and out of prisons. So it's mm. like the only, they only knew a certain way of life. So basically, if they were in prison, they, they were there so many times, they gained that respect on being on the inside. So they, one of them was like the president of his gang, right? So mm -hmm. they became institutionalized. It's all they knew. So they'd come back into like everyday life and they didn't know how to function in everyday life. They would try to get like mm -hmm. a regular job or they didn't know how to do that. All they knew is was, was to sell drugs or commit crimes and then they'd get right back into the prison system. So back and forth and back and forth. And it's unfortunate to say that I've been almost sober 11 years and I'm in contact with some of those guys yeah. and they're still in still and out and in and out, right? And, and it's sad because that becomes the, their cycle, a vicious cycle. When it comes to addiction, you know, same thing. I mean, we see there's a lot of people that go to treatment and it's not like they... Not everybody goes to treatment and gets sober and stays sober right away for good. There's only in a perfect world. Only in a perfect world. It doesn't happen. What I see quite often, and I, it really tripped me out. I talked to a guy the other day. He said he's been to over 40 treatment centers. Now, wow. sometimes addicts and alcoholics may exaggerate a little bit. They may not be completely truthful. But let's just say he really went for 40 times. Like, isn't that a bit of a vicious cycle? I mean, mm. how many times? How many times are you going to keep on... Coming in, going out, coming in, going out. So I had this one counselor when I was in treatment. He used to, uh, we used to sit in groups and like most people that were doing well, you know, you, they did good work, but there was always certain people that they they never wanted to get better. Hmm. You know, they would be very stuck in their uh, belief system, 
their their thoughts, the mm -hmm. patterns that they were uh, caught up in. Um, so often he would tell some of them, "It looks like you're just committed to misery." You know, it looks like and. You know, it, even though that sounds really harsh, like it was kind of true because that person, if they're not going to work on themselves and, and really do the work that's required in getting long-term recovery, you're going to probably go back out and use again. You know, mm -hmm. the point of getting sober isn't just to get sober so that you are minus the drink and the drug. The point of getting sober is to change, recreate yourself, have a different outlook, be different, do things different, behave different, and break out of all those cycles that we have. And don't get me wrong. People in recovery, me included myself, could have, I can do a lot of things that are um, behavioral patterns that um, become sort of like a vicious cycle to where mm. I have to actually like go through it a few times to the point where I realize this is insane. Like, why am I still doing this? Yeah. And I need a mentor. Or I need like somebody to kind of guide me and redirect me in my thinking and my patterns so I can break through that. So we all have the tendency to have vicious cycles. Some of us with food, some of us with video games, some of mm. us with addictions like drug addiction and alcoholism but the vicious cycle has a its name is a vicious cycle for a reason yeah, that's it's, it's that's, quite vicious that's great insight and overview andy do you have any additional thoughts or or maybe anything that you've experienced um well just to touch on that i mean i think that going through the vicious cycle and realizing because you've been through it so many times what i'm doing is not working it can actually be a process that leads to your ultimate healing because you get mm. so sick of what you're doing. But the question that I have is what about those people who pass away? And so it's, mm. that's, that's the weird thing that I don't understand because, you know, some people die in their disease and don't get that chance at life. And then other people, you know, do get to break out of it. And so I think I'm not going to understand that, but like Pej uh, did say, I think a lot of it has to do with the disease lying to us and it's what we're believing in our minds like it's a disease and it centers in our minds and so realizing that that whenever you get that trigger to want to go back out and you think that using is a good idea recognizing that that is a lie that your disease is telling you and mm -hmm. choosing a new pattern is key but um yeah I, I like how do you do that and I think that it's, for me, it's faith. Like I need faith in a higher power in order to help me break out of that cycle. But then again, also, like I said before, um, repeating those patterns and them getting you nowhere and realizing that is not the truth because mm -hmm. I've gone down that road before and it's led me back at square one with nothing to show for it. Again, miserable. And so I know for from experience that no, me thinking that this is a good idea is a total fantasy and isn't the truth. So I think, yeah, learning through experience, but then also faith is what really gives us the strength to choose differently. And I think that that's when it goes to the first step through the third step of realizing we're powerless and then calling upon that power greater than ourselves. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, that's, that's a great segue into our uh, next idea and question about what you can do. I'd first like to open this up to any questions. Uh, I think we've gotten a couple comments here. We have, um, Solange says, how old do you have to be to become an interventionist? I think, that, you know, right now? I think if you're over 18 and, and you know, you, whether you're in recovery or not, I don't think it matters how old you are to be an interventionist as long as you're trying to help people. I think uh, young, more younger people should become interventionists because they could have 
that can be more effective in helping you know the younger population. Mm, I think sometimes absolutely. the younger population would respond better to someone that's of their own age, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like if you know if you know if it's some older gentleman that might remind them of their dad or an mm, authoritative figure or something. But you never know. There's a lot of good interventions that I think that we just need more of you. We need more people to learn to do interventions. So yes, there's not an age. Yes, yeah. there's no age limit. Thanks for that question. Uh, we have a comment uh, from Netta says, "Hey Pej, hi Netta." <laughs> Joe says, uh, "Timely topic. What's up, Joe?" <laughs> it's always a timely topic. Kevin says, "Hey Pej." Hey Kevin. Joe also says, "Kevin, why haven't I Andy. heard from you in a while? It's time to check in with your boy. <laughs> check in with your boy." <laughs> I just out of curiosity, I don't want you know just. Re- Craps and giggles. I'll say it just to be legal, Facebook legal. Do you like the background? I mean, really, I look like I'm on the news, right? We look like we're like part of the Starship Enterprise. Like we're about to take off. Like, dun, 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 dun. we like to have fun, right? Of course, that's why that's we have right. this crazy background. That's right. But let us know. Yeah, um, we can change it. We can we can be anywhere we want. That's we can right. Be in a field of pandas. Yeah. What, Would that be interesting? What was the dog and the cat one that you said? Dogs and cats could be raining in the background. We could literally have cats and dogs Ooh. raining. I like that one. As we're as we're talking I about really these like topics, because a, a lot of people Raining. like dogs and cats. We could. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's more relatable. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, keep uh, leaving your comments, leaving your questions. Say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. Um, w- let's have a conversation. Let's talk about this stuff because that's what we're putting this content out there to be as helpful as possible. We are live. This isn't a recording unless you're watching it after, but right now... Or listening to it. Or listening to it. Um, but yeah, ask ask these questions and interact in the moment. Be in the moment. Uh, but let's, let's jump in uh, to that next topic of what can you do to kind of break out of this... Uh, this vicious cycle. So Andy mentioned faith. Uh, that's obviously a, a great mm-hmm. um, starting point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to touch on that and expand into other, other okay. ways? So back to so-called Einstein quotes. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure like what's really true and what carries weight and what, what really was Einstein. But there's another saying, I believe, where it says you cannot fix the same brain that created the problem mm. with the with the. You cannot fix the problem with the same brain that created the problem. Something oh, along those okay. lines, okay? Okay, that makes so, sense. Pesh is always trying to like spit some quotes and stuff, and I just screwed all up. <laughs> That's okay. Inspirational Pesh. <laughs> There's actually my friend. His name is Pat. He's, uh-huh. he's amazing. We call him Inspiration Pat. But anyway, Inspiration Pat. He, uh, okay, so obviously, you know, when I think I got it all figured out, like me out of personal experience, like what kept happening to me is that between jails and institutions and near-death experiences... I kept thinking, I got it figured out. I can do this. I, it, I'll, I'll be fine. I can quit. I can quit on Monday, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. What it really takes is is you cannot intellectualize like recovery, right? There's too many people that come into recovery and they think they're too smart for it and they got it all figured out and they can do this on their own and, and mm-hmm. they've got strong willpower, but for some sure. reason they keep getting loaded or they just do the small stuff and the small stuff's not going to take us back into the large stuff. When I say the small stuff, I mean like, I mean, like, having a little drinky drink is not going to get me back to doing heroin again, right? Yeah, right. Like, in most cases, <laughs> that's what happens. It's really, that's what, I mean, that's, we see it all the time, right? Yeah. And then on top of it, like, it's all about self-realization. It's like, when do you want to make a decision to change yourself and stop doing that? What, like, what you're doing, like, how much more 
besides the pain and anguish that you cause your family or your friends or just the people that you push away or the job losses and all that, when are you getting it real with yourself? You got at some point or another, a person has to take a look at themselves and be like, what am I doing with myself? Like, what has become of my life? Like, why do I keep banging my head into a wall? Why don't I stop this insanity and do something different? So another saying is the only thing in recovery that we have to change is one thing. And that is everything, everything right? It's everything. <laughs> so my yeah. whole, my thinking is skewed, right? Like uh -huh. I, I really think I got it all figured out, but I really don't. So the only way I'm going to change it is if I do everything opposite of what I did before. So if you go to treatment a lot, the, I, what I recommend, the best thing you do is, is do exactly the opposite of what you did before. If you find yourself back in treatment again and you're wondering why am I here? I mean, there's some people that just go to treatment a lot because... They think it's like a hotel and they take breaks between the time that they're using and drinking. But this is a this is a matter of life and death. It's like a no-joking situation, right? Mm. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. How many people do we hear about overdosing and dying? It's, it's a common occurrence. It happens all the time. We bury a lot of people. So in order to get out of the vicious cycle, I'm not like Andy was talking about the people that actually die. In order to break out of it, you just got to get real with yourself. Mm. You know, I mean. Get when, out of denial. Get out of denial. You know, denial is not it's just huge. a river in Egypt. How do you, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> how do you first accept that denial? How do you realize Ooh, that you're I in know. denial? I think that until you're really willing to change everything, like Pej said, you're going to stay in denial because for me, denial is a survival mechanism. And if I'm going to face the music, but then I'm still going to stay stuck where I'm at, that's going to cause me to implode because mm. I my psyche can't handle the way I'm treating myself. And so denial is that survival mechanism that causes me to be able to keep doing what I'm doing just because I'm living in la-la land thinking that I'm not or thinking that it's not that bad or whatever delusion mm. I'm telling myself. So in order to really be able to face the facts, I feel like that has to be that moment where you're really ready to change everything. And then you're finally able to look at yourself and say... This is who I was, but I'm not staying in it, and I'm moving forward now. So now I'm finally able to come to accept and you know move right. forward. Yeah. And another awesome. reason I think a lot of people don't get um, better or well is because you have to become desperate. Mm. Um, a lot of people think that they're functioning addicts and alcoholics because they make it to work every day, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes late, sometimes early, sometimes... <laughs> not at all. But the point is, is when you're not functioning on the inside, mm -hmm. like really how... You got It's an internal thing. You got to come to terms with yourself to the point where you're like, "That's it. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm absolutely done with this lifestyle. It is not serving me well. I have completely ran my life into the ground. I, even if you haven't completely run your life into the ground, you can. You will. I mean, keep using and drinking. If you're like addicted to substances and you think that you can take it all the way to the end, I haven't yet seen anybody that that is completely successful. That's a full blown addict, alcoholic, like. You know, some people try to justify and say, weed is legal, and I see a lot of CEOs and stuff that's, to each their own, more power to you. If that's your deal, and, and you think you can handle it, fine. If it hasn't become a problem for you in your life, fine. But if it's become a problem, and you've found yourself that you have had many failed attempts, you might want to do something different. Mm. God, I sound like a lecturer. I'm talking down to me. No, I just want you to know, like, uh, there is hope, and there is help out there. And if you think that you have a problem, you can always contact people. You can always ask for help. You can call me. You can also go to our Facebook page, Ask an Addiction Specialist. Um, we'll Links in the description. The link is in the description. You can, if you're 
suffering from addiction, if you have a family member that's suffering from addiction, if you have some time sober, you want to help people to come in there and ask questions, there's a lot of people that will come and they will ask stuff and you can you can come and ask an addiction specialist and we will we have professionals that will answer your questions or we have people in recovery that are readily available to answer questions too. Yeah, it's an I awesome group. I think that's not linked in or, or okay, plugged in. Let's, let's plug it in. Um, yeah, there's a weekly live stream in that as well um, with Dr. Bob Weathers. I think mm. we have a couple questions here. Do you think that guided meditation could help? As a part of rehab programs, for sure, I think absolutely, absolutely, it's it's of great importance to, to people to get to have that oneness, you know, to get centered. Yeah, I have a question. Yes, sure. uh, lay it out there. Like, what do you guys think? How important do you guys think that hitting bottom is to really being able to change everything, or do you think that it's necessary? Because I know for me. Well, they say, you know, every bottom has a trap door, and right. so you can keep mm. going. I'm happy so. that you just said that. So you kind of just answered your own question. So think about it. Hitting bottom. We hear that quite often. Like, you have to hit your bottom, right? I mean, how many times have we gone to jail? I don't know about you, but, like, every time I've gone to jail, that should have been a bottom, right? Why is it that the addict alcoholic, like myself, I'll just speak for myself, straight up, transparent as can be. Why is it that when I get out of jail... The whole time I'm in there, I'm going to be good. No more. I will not get high. I will not get high. Did you 100% so, believe that, though? Part of me. It was like there was a little angel on my shoulder that was saying, <laughs> mm -hmm. you're going to be a good boy. You're going to walk a straight line, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, that little devil would say, but you know when you get out, just one little puff, right? <laughs> Second I get out, I mean, I could be going right to, to, to my family's house or to whatever, sober living or not, or I can go left because it's a Friday and I'm just like, well, I don't have to see the probation officer until Monday. The brain will pray with you. Why don't I just go get high for the weekend? That's part of the vicious cycle. It's a great question. I think that, again, when you have your own personal spiritual bottom, I believe, that's when a person gets to the point where they either make a decision to completely turn it around or to go back out one more time. You know, and often people do go back out. The only scary thing about that is, is that they sometimes can't come back. So what was your bottom if it wasn't the times before right. what the turning point great question yeah. turning point for me is that i actually was in treatment and i did a psychodrama which was a review of um a, a, an event a very extremely traumatic event that happened to me in my life where i got to relive that in that moment and i didn't even know that after doing that practice and the psychodrama is it was powerful it's intense right but i put my all into it and by doing that um it was a game changer. It was like mm. the next day I woke up, I felt like a thousand pounds were lifted off of my back and, and I needed that to happen. And I don't know what would have happened if I didn't have it happen. But once it, like the next day I woke up, I was like, that's it. I've, I'm committed. I'm committed to sobriety. I'm so mm. tired. All my little <laughs> reservations and stuff that I still had hidden, you know, deep in the back of my head. I was like, I'm just dumping all that out and I'm going to try this way of life. And it changed. It, I mean, life changed. And I often see that too. I have a lot of friends that are... Um, we see a lot of people come and go in sobriety, right? I have a lot of friends that you can kind of like, you can kind of tell like who's here to stay, mm -hmm. right? Like they conduct themselves a different way, they talk a different way, they behave a different way. Mm -hmm. They're they're part of the recovery community. They they practice true altruism. They're selfless. They're of service to people. The answer to life, whether in your, you're in recovery or not, the answer to good living is being of service to other people. Just doing kind 
Random kind acts for people and not trying to gain recognition or talk about it. Don't go around saying like, I did this for that person, I did that for this person. The more that you keep it to yourself, the more humble you are. And that's definitely a way of having that self-realization to where you want to be a different person. Be the best version of yourself. I mean, isn't that what life is really all about? Is being the best us, version. Being yeah. the best version of ourselves. Us as humans, we're the only species on earth that gets to make decisions. Everything else mm. is, well, animals, just, they just go off of instinct, right? We're the only species that gets to make decisions. We can decide if there's a God. We can decide if we think that we don't believe. We can decide if we want to use, drink, stay sober, all that stuff. The best thing about it is that if we really find our purpose, then, you know, we don't have to get caught up in those vicious cycles that are just unhealthy just to us. We're, it's not, we may be hurting people around us, but truly, when we're caught up in that vicious cycle, we're really hurting ourselves. One last question for both of you, because uh, we're covering a, a lot of ground here. How do you find that purpose? How do you find your purpose? I think it's one of the, sometimes just having a come to Jesus conversation with yourself. Mm. It's just, you know, I've laid in uh, jail cells. I've laid in rehab beds. I've laid in institutions and, and kept wondering, like, why is, what has become of my life? I got so stuck in the in the what has happened to me part mm. where I'm still trying to self-serve mm -hmm. and wonder like what it is about me that has gotten myself in this situation. And the point is, is when I actually got up and like started doing for others, I, I realized like, this is what it's all about. Like, I want to help people. I had that moment of clarity, the aha moment, you know, the lights came on for me in that psychodrama to where I just realized like, I want to be of maximum service to all addicts, alcoholics of every race, creed, color, and age. I just made that commitment within myself, and I kept it. And it's what keeps me going. It makes It's what makes me happy. That's what puts fuel in my recovery fire. That's great. Andy, would you like to touch upon uh, your That's purpose? Huge. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm still discovering that, of course. <clears throat> but I also think that me having a relationship with my higher power is huge. And then sometimes I'm still faced with my own selfishness or with my own issues, <clears throat> even in sobriety. And it's a lot of the times the things that I would drink or use over. And so just because I take the alcohol away or the drugs away doesn't mean that I'm any less selfish, etc. And so I think that me becoming the true person I was created to be is a process and it's a lifelong journey. And I think that it's not possible without me just having that relationship with my higher power. And then kind of, you know, with that comes me being on an adventure of life and kind of, you know, the path keeps opening up before me and new things keep coming down the pike. And it's super exciting and with that comes like unexpected ways that I can help other people or share a word of encouragement or whatever that looks like. But I think that ultimately it's my higher power using me to do his will and less of me, you know, trying to do my thing because I usually mess things up, but you, but kind of just me getting out of the way to let my higher power work through me. And whenever that happens, it feels natural. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like super freeing. And I think that that's like the adventure part of it is just, you know, enjoying it and having love, which comes from a place of ease within me. And that that is part of my purpose. But it first and foremost comes through that relationship with my higher power without which nothing else 
of that nature would be possible. So I think that's my purpose. But I also love art, so I'm mm. planning on getting more involved in that too. So love yeah. it. Awesome. We have yeah. one last question before we wrap it up. Um, she's asking. I have a question. Anytime either of you committed to being sober at times, did your mind go back and forth with wanting to use? Or once you were committed, you never wanted mm, to use again. I think that is that's an amazing good. question. Uh, personally, this is my own personal experience, is that before my turning point, before I made the absolute decision, I was still, um, I, there was a, a war going on in my head. I was in a treatment center. I didn't. Yeah. I found everything wrong with the treatment center. I mm. had a, a, a personal conflict with somebody. He and I got into it, and my brain went right to this. It was like this. You know what? I don't need to deal with this guy. Like, I'm just going to break out of here. I'm going to take off. I'm going to go back to that garage in Costa Mesa. I know my friends. My friends, so-called friends, are there with the meth pipe. I'm just going to go get high, and I don't need to deal with all these clowns in rehab. And in that moment, I again, I stopped myself. I realized that's not a good idea. I don't need to do that anymore. I'm going to go talk to my counselor. I talked to my counselor. He, wa he talked me off the ledge, mm -hmm. and I got back into it. Now, the commitment part, that's the most powerful thing when I actually committed myself to doing this thing it, I just became like this positive Peter rather than this negative Nancy that I was for the longest time positive pleasure positive pleasure <laughs> no but, but, but I uh, I was just absolutely certain that you know like I, I want to just go on this path and I want to go the long haul you know mm -hmm. I, I, I committed myself to recovery rather than to the misery that you know I was kind of just caught up in for the longest time um, yeah so that's it that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you both for sharing that. And thank you all for joining us on another episode of The Sober Grind, episode number 17. Uh, if you're watching this or listening to this after the fact, we would love to hear your opinions, future topics. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of the Recovery Story of the Week, send us an email at either Austin or Pej. Or hit at, me up. Yeah. Hit, hit us up on Facebook. Yep. Uh, or Austin at Pe or Pej at beginningstreatment.com. Um, check out the, uh, the other seven, uh, 16 great episodes that we have. There's a ton of valuable, truly helpful content on there. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't get and... to see this live today, you can go on Google Play. You can go mm -hmm. on iTunes. Are we on Spotify yet? Not yet working on okay, it. Okay, but you can go on YouTube, but do us a favor. If you do go on iTunes or you go on Google Play and you become a member, of, like subscribe to the podcast, Sober Grind. Just type in Sober Grind. You'll find us. Subscribe to it. Send us feedback. Write us a message. Let us know what we're doing wrong or right or whatever you like. But just we want to we get more people to learn about the Sober Grind. We want to educate and educate <laughs> and help people in any possible way that we can from whatever from what little we know. Yeah, and if you don't want to do any of that but feel, still feel like you'd like to help, you can help by simply tagging a friend that might be interested or just sharing this post on social media. Thank you all again Thank you. so much. See you next time.